you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Last week, we said this is not a physical move. This is a spiritual move. And I said that spiritual moves are simply joining God in what he's doing. Jesus said, my sheep listen to me. He said, I know them and they follow me. Joining God in what he's doing requires two things, listening and following. The word follow is an interesting word in light of today's social media. In today's media, you can have followers and you can follow others. Uh, You can follow people on Instagram. You can follow them on Facebook. You can follow them on Twitter. Did you know the person with the most followers in the world today is Katy Perry? She has 62 million followers. In second place is Justin Bieber. He has 59 million believers. If you have a Twitter account, you can know a lot about Katy Perry or Justin Bieber. You can know where they are. You can know what they had for dinner last night. But without a relationship, you can't really join them. You can't be a part of what they're doing. In the process of joining God and what he's doing, there is no choice but to put a very high priority on being connected with him. It's in a very close relationship with God that you are able to hear him and follow him. Jesus put it this way. We'll put a slide up on the screen. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's John fifteen five. In this passage, Jesus said, we are the branches. Now, what does that mean? What is the purpose of a branch? What is its purpose? Very simply, the purpose of a branch is to receive nutrients from the vine and then to pass them on. The purpose of the branch is to receive nutrients from the vine that is the main trunk or the source and then to pass it on. If you are the branch and Jesus is the vine, then your role is to simply stay connected, to stay close to him and receive what he has for you and then to pass it on. It's in the sharing of what he gives you that you bear fruit. The branch simply shares what it receives. God causes the growth, and the result is fruit. Jesus said, He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Now the fruit can be in the form of godly character. It can be making disciples. It could be raising godly children. It could be certain ways that you serve God and serve people. It's interesting that Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I remember when my kids were little, one of their favorite sayings was, I can do it myself, Dad. And so I would go, okay, okay, you got it, hands off. So I'd let them be independent, or so they thought. You know, the only reason that they could apparently do it themselves is because I kept feeding them, and I let them stay in my house and provided everything that they needed. You know, the same is true with us and God. You know, we live much of life as if to say, I can do this myself. We think we're independent. As long as we have this house called earth, 
with a whole lot of oxygen. The moment we have a hard time breathing, we don't feel very independent. Every heartbeat, every breath is part of this great gift called life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. So what does it mean to abide? What does it mean? To abide means to live with. If you abide with someone, it means you live with them. It means you're very close to them. We see an example of this in the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha were sisters, and one day Jesus was visiting their house. And I'd like us to read about it in the beginning of Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. We'll put that on the screen. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening. She was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Notice the two responses. Mary was listening. Martha was distracted. That's a good question to ask ourselves. Am I listening or am I distracted? So Martha came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, You are worried about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. Martha was busy making sandwiches that Jesus never ordered. But Mary chose the better part. There wasn't anything wrong with preparing a meal. It's just that there was something better that Martha could have been doing. And you know, oftentimes the tough choices in life are not between the good and the bad. They are between what is good and what is better, or what is better and what is best. Of all the choices you have in your daily routine, the best choice that you can make is making time alone with God. One day our ministry president, Steve Merle, was here on Guam, and he gave a message entitled, Sit and Quit. The very next week, I kid you not, we had another guest speaker. The, message of his, the title of his message was, Get Up and Go. <laughs> One week, quit and sit, then get up and go. We were confused. We didn't know what to do. But looking back on it, I see a message in the messages. It wasn't an accident. First, we are to quit and sit at the feet of Jesus. And we are to listen. And then, once he has spoken, we are to get up and go. Too often we skip step number one because of everything we have to do. I'm preaching to myself right now. Just in case your neighbor thinks they're the only one who gets distracted, turn to your neighbor and say, me too. Here's why spending time alone with God is so important. Here's why it's so important. You know, I'm old enough to look back and see a pattern after experiencing God for over 30 years. There have been windows of opportunity that were filled with God's provision in many ways. As I look back, I can see evidence of something Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Paul is saying God planned certain things for you a long time ago, even before you existed. Paul is saying you are his masterpiece. He created you. And if you have received Christ, he redeemed you. He restored you. He made you a new person in Christ. Why? So that now you can do good things that he planned for you long ago. Now, how can you know what those good things are? You have to spend time alone with God. It's through spending time alone with God you can hear his voice and be guided toward his plan. Terry and I relocated to Washington about five years ago to do an internship at Elijah House. And when the program was over, I was spending time alone with God to seek him about what to do next. I was sitting in the backyard with my Bible, and I sensed very clearly the Lord said, go to Leviticus. Now, I wish I could say my story was different, but my first response was, Leviticus? I said, thanks a lot, Lord. Leviticus, that's a big book. Where in Leviticus? And so I began to read. And in Leviticus 25, that particular passage began to speak to me, and I'll have to explain why. I don't make a hard and fast theology about this. I'm not sure I can. I just know that what I'm about to tell you has been my experience for about the last 17 years. Um, There was a point when I was 42. Uh, The Lord allowed Terry and I to take a sabbatical. And uh, the church we were at uh, offered to uh, have a six-month time of sabbatical for, um, for enrichment. And so Terry and I chose to go to Elijah House. And we were continuing our training back in the early days. And then... We came back to Guam, and we began to use and to share what God had given us. Seven years later, the Lord allowed us to take another sabbatical. Now, if you're familiar with the Sabbath, you know, every seven days, God prescribes that we take a rest. And I want to encourage everybody here to do that. You know, it's so tempting to stay busy with all the things we have in our list. But I want to encourage us to fight that temptation and to pull back and keep the Sabbath special by spending it alone with God. Not just rest, not just going to the beach and kicking back, but seeking the Lord and spending time alone with God. Beyond the break every seven days, Scripture also says to take a break every seven years. Back in the old days, when it was an agricultural society, the idea was also to give the land a break from having to produce and that if they would do that, there would be a cycle in agriculture that would actually be more productive than if they kept pushing forward every year, every year, without a break. And so, like I said, I don't make a hard and fast theology about it, but the Lord had allowed us to take a break in the last two sets of seven years. If you read Leviticus 25, the Lord has a monologue. And he says, if you... If you read this, and if you're asking me about it, some of you will question me. And you will ask, Lord, if I don't work in the seventh year, how am I going to feed my family? And then he answers the question and says, I will arrange it in the sixth year so that it will be so. 
And in the last two sets of seven years, when we took the Sabbath, the Lord had done exactly that. Leviticus 25 goes on to the next step. And it says, after these seven sets of seven years, eventually you come to the 49th year. Now, to understand the significance of this passage to me and how the Lord used it to speak to me in my life, you have to understand my age at the time and my, and my date of birth. I was 49 when I read this. And Leviticus 25 specifically talks about the seventh set of seven years. And then the following year after the 49th year is the year of Jubilee. And it's a big celebration in the Old Testament. And it says, and, and it was the month of November, and my, my birthday is December 9th. I'm about to turn 50 in a few weeks. And I'm reading this passage, and the Lord says, In the year of Jubilee, you are to return to your home and to your people. And I knew I was supposed to come here. And I knew God had something, that he had a plan. I share all that as an example. That God has a plan. He has a plan for you. And he will guide you. But you have to spend time alone with God seeking him in order to hear his voice so that you can be in sync with God. Why is it important to abide in the vine? Why is it important to stay connected to Christ? It's important because that's how you will experience God's plan for your life. That's how you will experience his plan for your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a plan for you. (laughs) Okay, so, what do you need to know in order to connect with God? You need to know that your spirit, soul, and body. This is from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, if you're taking notes. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you are spirit, soul, and body. When I talk about spirit, this is a controversial subject. There are some people, they're not even sure there is such a thing as the human spirit, much less what it is. But I just want to share with you a simple view presented in the Bible. And that is, not only do you have a spirit, which is the innermost part of your being. You know, if I lose a finger... I'm still Mark Beneventi. That doesn't constitute me. There's something else, something deeper that is my identity. So it's just not the body that makes up who we are. But the world would have you believe that. Don't believe that message. There are three parts of you, spirit, soul, and body. The soul, uh, one simple understanding, is the soul is made up of the intellect and the emotions and your will, the ability to make choice. That's part of what makes you unique and the highest in all creation. Spirit, soul, and then the body, of course, the physical aspect of who we are. Now, like I said, a lot of people don't know if there really is even a spirit, but the Bible reveals that there is, and not only do you have a spirit, it has a purpose. It has a special function. You know, I'm amazed when I learn more about medical science and all that they have discovered about the human body. I mean, they know every organ. They know its function. They know how it operates. I mean, when our kids were, when Terry was in labor, uh, giving birth to Tara, 
they gave her a shot of Pitocin. Most of you moms know what that is. But if you're young and you're single and you don't know, that's, that's a drug that your body naturally secretes to uh, start cramping in order for a woman, a woman to be able to push the baby out. And if a woman is tired or having difficulty, they can give you a shot of Pitocin and there you go. I thought, wow, that is amazing that, that medical science knows just exactly how much to give and it'll have this result. Well, you know, your spirit also has a certain function. There are things that it does. And I want to share a couple of them. This has to do with connecting with God. One of them is in John four twenty three. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. One of the functions of your human spirit is the ability to be able to worship God. It's an ability that no other animal in all creation has. It's what makes you unique as a human the ability to worship. A second function of the human spirit is to have a conscience. A conscience is that part of you that warns you before you do something that's going to hurt somebody else. Now, in the condition the world's in today, there are many whose conscience is damaged or seared. And in some cases, extreme cases, some people have no conscience at all. But it is something that God has given us in our spirit to be able to warn us when we're about to do something that's going to hurt our relationship with other people or with God or even hurt ourselves. Now, it's different from guilt. Guilt happens after the fact. I did it. Oh, shoot. I blew it. Why did I do that? But conscience stops you before you do it. And it's something, that's another, that's another characteristic of us that no other animal in creation has. You know, we, we had a pet dog. And she loved to lay on my bed, but she knew she wasn't supposed to. She was a house dog. We had her for many, many years. And uh, one day I came home, and she came trotting down the stairs, and she looked very guilty. I know my dog. And I went to my bed, and I looked, and sure enough, there's fur on my bed. <laughs> if you want to Google it, you can go to YouTube and just type in, just search for guilty dogs. And there are videos about dogs. And you've got these owners holding up slippers or jewelries and going, Sparky, did you chew my slipper? And you could see the dog like this. He's so guilty. <laughs> We're not talking about guilt. We're talking about a conscience that stops you before it happens. That's another function of the human spirit. The third one, there are more, but I'm just going to mention three. The third one is revelation. It's by the innermost part of your being that you are able to receive revelation from God. Most of God's revelation is through the Bible. Now, a non-Christian could read the Bible, but you have to, and I used to do it. I used to read it to, to go to sleep before I was a Christian. I'd start in Genesis, and pretty soon, I was out. <laughs> but once you have the Spirit of God, then all of a sudden, the Spirit highlights the significance of what you're reading, and the, pa- and the words just jump off the page, because you have the author of the book inside you, and you're able to understand I think Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit of God by which things we also speak of things of God. 
Not things taught by, by the human mind, but things taught in the spirit. That's the Mark Beneventi paraphrase. But if I could just explain that real quickly, what it's saying is each of you are unique and you have an inner person and nobody really knows you. I mean, you can communicate it by your behavior and your words, but nobody really knows your thoughts and your feelings except God. The only way you could really empathize, truly empathize with another person is if somehow you could become them and they could become you and you could have their spirit. And then you would truly understand what they think and they feel. In the same way, um, we can't know God's thoughts. We don't have his spirit. But if you could have his spirit, then you could understand his thoughts. And that's what happens when you become a Christian and you begin to read the Bible. When, that, when those words jump off the page and go to your heart, you're having a revelation through God's word. Now, God's word's the primary way that he reveals himself and his ways. But sometimes he can also do it through dreams or pictures or thoughts or circumstances. Now, here's the point. The point isn't how God speaks. The important thing is the fact that God speaks. God does speak, and you can hear from God, and your spirit is the place where it happens. Your spirit is the place where you connect with God. So what do you need to do in order to connect with Him? We simply need to soak in His presence. You know, be like Mary who just sat at the feet of Jesus and just soaked in His presence. And it's a practice that Terry and I do often. We'll just... um, whether it's us personally or maybe we're ministering to somebody, when we start to pray, we'll just take some time to be quiet and to be still. Terry talked about one of the spiritual disciplines being silence and solitude so that we can get in tune and connect with God. You know, in the Old Testament days, uh, believers used to take time three times a day where they would just get still and get quiet and they would just allow their mind to kind of connect with their heart and just get in tune with God and be in touch with them three times a day. And I want to encourage us to, to soak in God's presence when you spend time alone with Him. You don't have to be busy about all kinds of academic things. You just want to connect with Him heart to heart. In the process of connecting with Him, we need to go in with a certain attitude. We need to be willing to yield to God. And that's different from surrender. It has a slightly different connotation. If I surrender, it's like I'm under force. I have no choice. Okay, I give up. But yield means I'm walking, I see a lady crossing, I stop. I, oh, excuse me, ma'am, you go first. I have a choice. I do this willingly. And I allow the person to have first place or priority. And that's the kind of relationship God wants with us. He doesn't want us to be under compulsion. He wants us to willingly allow him to take the lead. So we need to soak in God's presence, commune with Him. We need to yield. And then simply listen. And listen in your heart. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know how deep and how wide is the love of God. Imagine experiencing God for yourself. Imagine your family experiencing God. Imagine your life group seeing what God is doing and being a part of it and joining Him in that. Imagine life in the sun when many, many people are experiencing God. You know, at that point, discipleship will not be a program. (laughs) 
It'll be a spontaneous chain reaction. Life in the sun will be abundant. Others will see the evidence of God and be attracted to him. You can enter into a place of trust and rest when you're experiencing God, knowing that he's at work and he's gone before you and he's inviting you to join him. There's a place of assurance and there's a place of God's got my back and I have a sense of well-being and I don't have to strive. I can rest. I want to make sure that in this new season we start off on the right foot. It's like Elmore said, we need the presence of God, but we have to tap into him. And I want to encourage us to do that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. And I thank you, God, that you invite us to be with you. Lord, that's just an amazing thought that the God of the universe who created all of this wants to be with us. And so, Lord, today we've dedicated ourselves to you. Father, we just lift our hands. God, we ask that you would have your way in and through us. Father, we just declare that we need you. We thank you that you are present. We thank you that you're available and that you love us and that you're for us. And so, Father, we yield to you. We willingly, we willingly step to the side and, Lord, we give you first place and invite you to guide. Before we move forward, can we just um, all stand? The music team is going to take us out, but Terry, could you come up, please? And I felt this was just important to do um, as we're, you know, we sing about being in a new season. We sing about moving forward. And I think it's important just to recognize their leadership. And it's not new. We've, we, we know Pastor Mark and Terry, and we appreciate them. And, um, you know, it's funny, Pastor Mark, you know, in the beginning said, you know, he learned so much from me. And I, I you know, I wonder what. <laughs> because I've learned so much from him. And there's so much that God has given him. You know, God, God gives us distinctives, each one of us. And that's why it's so important as a church for each one of us to function. Because when one of us is not, guess what? The church is lacking. And God did not design the church to lack. He wants every one of us to pitch in and play a part. And thank God we're not all the same. Amen? And so, um, so I just wanted to do that. Um, before we close the service and before the worship team takes us out is really just to pray a blessing on our pastors. And so, Father, we just lift up the Beneventes to you. Father, Mark and Terry, Lord, thank you for their lives. Lord, you said that you give men and women in exchange for our lives. And so, Father, I thank you, Father, that they've given and dedicated their lives to life in the sun. And now, Father, I just ask you, Lord, to pour out, Lord, a double portion 
Father, even from all the ministries that they've been a part of. Father, even of all the ministries that they've sat under and they've received from. Lord, I thank you, Lord, even as they may or may not have known, Lord, there's an impartation. God has really been speaking to me about impartation. And the impartation that you've placed in them, Lord, it's a double mantle. It's a double portion. Lord, a double anointing. Oh, God, and I thank you, Lord. They're going to be the ones, Lord, to blaze the trail, Father, into the future. Lord, into the island, into the islands, into the nations, into Asia and beyond. Oh, God, and so, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, even though they're operating in it now, Lord, we just all together, corporately, we say, Lord, release it. Lord, release it. Lord, let it go forth. Lord, let it be evident. Father, as your word goes forth, Lord, you said if your name be lifted up, you draw all men unto yourself. Father, we thank you that in this house, Lord, among our churches and our pastors, uh, and I'm even just remembering Pastor Cliff with New Covenant, and just, uh, Lord, all the life-giving churches on this island, Father, who stand together to represent your name. Father, as... As the church lifts and exalts your name, Lord, you draw men unto yourself. And so, Father, I thank you that there's even an element of revival, revival that's coming through their ministry. And so, Father, we speak revival into the land. Father, we, Lord, we call out for your reign. Lord, as our worship goes up, Father, it, cre- it creates storm clouds in a good way. And, Father, your reign in your spirit and your anointing is coming down, Father, on their ministry. And so, Father, we thank you for them. And Lord, we bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.